0: night has been a hard time for our city. And then we wake up this morning with the news that London also is going through a difficult time. Manchester seems to be recovering. Um, Noel Gallagher, it was, said on Tuesday night, it's business as usual. The audience at the time spontaneously sang, Don't Look Back in Anger. The world, the world has been watching our city. The world will watch tonight as Ariana Grande, Coldplay, and you name them, they're going to be there, sing at Old Trafford, attended by many, this concert attended by many who were even at the arena concert on the night of the attack, that 10 days ago. It's been wonderful even as we talk and announce about our International Sunday, that the church across the world has been praying for us and praying for King's Church. Uh, Last week, if you remember, we welcomed uh, into this room people from across the UK and even Texas, USA, who came just to be present on our streets with us. I spoke a week ago last Friday night when it was deeper. I had to leave early and speak via the telephone on on French radio, French radio broadcasting from Nice and received many messages from Christians in Nice who assured us that they were praying for Manchester as they too had suffered terrorist attacks. We've had messages from believers in India, from Ile de la Réunion in the Indian Ocean, from Canada, from Norway, from the USA who have assured us of their love and prayers for us as a body a body of Christ in this city and of their love and prayers for our city at this time. It's been a hard time and we're hoping for something better for our city. Jump in the TARDIS and travel back in time to 740 BC. The city of Jerusalem Had been experiencing relative peace and stability and stable government. King Uzziah had been reigning there for 52 years. You can read about him in 2 Kings 15. Things had been calm. It was, however, in the year that King Uzziah died in 740 BC that things began to change. The change started to happen when a politician named Isaiah, uh, who had served in the court of Uzziah and went on to serve in the court of three other kings of Judah, he had had a vision which is recorded in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, a vision of the Lord in which he saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on his throne and the train of his robe filling the temple. In his vision, he saw the angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah, he had this vision of the Lord and he thought, because he'd seen the Lord, he thought he was going to die. And then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, came and touched his lips with a burning coal from off the altar and said to him that because his lips had been touched, that, that, he was, that, he was atone, that his sins had been atoned for. Isaiah, because of what he'd seen, was spoilt forevermore. And Isaiah at that time was caught up in a call of God that totally transformed all his previous plans, all his previous thinking. It was interesting to see the graduates pass the microphone along and say what they were intending to do. I want to say to every graduating student today, get caught up in the call of God on your life. No matter what it is, No matter what it is, when you had that microphone and you said, this is what I'm going to do. Don't do it unless God has called you to do it. If God has called you to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. If God has called you to stay, stay. Do what God has called you to do. But to know what God has called you to do, first and foremost, like Isaiah, you need to get caught up in a vision of the Lord's glory. And to see him high and lifted up, to see something, if we could only, all of us, not just the graduating students, if only all of us could see something of what Isaiah saw, our lives would be so, so different, I believe, for most of us. Um, You know, Isaiah was spoilt. His name actually means the Lord saves, and he was caught up in the call of God and his life, and He left behind a political career to take on the calling of a prophet. He was called to bring the word of God to the people of God. It was a strange call but he had, as he had to prophesy to his contemporaries, to those who were alive around him, about hard, difficult times that were to come. And also prophesy to a generation that would live long after he had died uh, about a good things that would happen that he himself would not live to see. We know from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3, that his wife also received a call to be a prophetess and joined him in his prophetic mission. Um, He worked alongside other prophets we'll hear about in the coming weeks, Micah, who prophesied uh, to Judah, the southern kingdom, Hosea, who prophesied to the northern kingdom. So going back, just as Manchester's peace has been shattered, just as London's peace was shattered last night, uh, so too was Jerusalem's 2,757 years ago. It was shattered initially by the word that Isaiah brought to the people. The people of God, he started to prophesy to them, who'd known this relative security, 52 years, the same king, Uzziah reigning. He started to prophesy to them, this is what's going to happen. You are going to be taken into exile. A foreign nation to that northern kingdom, the Assyrians, the power of the time, are going to come in and take you captive. To the, Jude, to the southern kingdom where he was in Jerusalem, he began to prophesy. You know what's gonna happen? After they've been taken into exile in the north, you too are gonna be taken into exile by a new kingdom that isn't much the new kingdom on the block. The Babylonians are gonna come and they're gonna also take you into exile. Difficult times are ahead. Um, it happened in 733 BC. The northern kingdom, the Assyrians came in, took the 10 tribes. Remember, the nation had been split. We read it in, two, in, in Kings and in Chronicles. But the, 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 the northern kingdom was taken into, a, into captivity by the Assyrians. And the 10 tribes, 10 tribes of Israel were basically lost at that time. And then later on, the, the, the Babylonians came. And, you know, Isaiah's message was simple. He said this. The f- your freedom is going, exile is arriving, pain is coming but hope remains, God remains and greater hope will come as we go through this, hope is, remains because better is going to come out of the other side of evil. So as you read through the book of Isaiah, especially the first 39 chapters, you know there's 39 books in the Old Testament and some people say the book of Isaiah is like a mini Bible. You've got 66 books and it's divided into two parts. The first 39 chapters represent the Old Testament. The last 27 chapters represent the New Testament. But in those first 39 chapters you see a mixture of judgment interwoven with hope. This is Isaiah bringing the message to his contemporaries. Judgment, the people have sinned and deserve punishment for their unfaithfulness to God. But hope remains, God still loves his people and has a plan and purpose for them. Isaiah 53, as you go into the next 27 chapters of the book, you, you, you begin to see after those 39 um, that they represent the New Testament books. In Isaiah 53, we can't help but mention Isaiah 53. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, the suffering servant. And, um, and we find he's mentioned as the one who's pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to our own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. In the whole of the Bible, in the whole of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53 is one of the last and greatest uh, signposts that God is going to do something to save humanity and rescue creation itself. Israel was exiled from the promised land for gross misconduct, and, but like Adam and Eve from the garden, and that's probably meant to be there, part of the point that God though is still faithful, He will do what He's promised. He will redeem humanity. Israel and even creation itself, he'll do so. Someone said this morning, some prophesied, creation itself is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, the sons and daughters. There's something that's gonna happen. Good is gonna come out of the other side of evil and hope therefore remains. This is the wonderful hope of the Gospel. So as we look in the second half of the book of Isaiah, we find clear statements about a coming time that Isaiah himself did not see when messengers would announce the kingdom of God. Isaiah 40 is what kicks it all off. Those wonderful verses, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she's received double from the Lord from the Lord's hand for all her sins, receiving double grace for all his sins. There's good news, there's hope, there's comfort here. Isaiah 52 verse 7, how beautiful on the feet of those of messengers who bring good news to Zion. Lift up your voice with strength, fear not to cry out aloud when you tell Jerusalem, announce to the cities of Judah, here is your God. There's hope coming through the other side. Isaiah sixty-one verse one and two: The spirit of the Lord, our God, is upon me, because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance. Give comfort to all who mourn in Zion. So, have you got it from Isaiah? The first 39 chapters, judgment, uh, interwoven with hope, uh, uh, reflecting very much the the Old Testament books. From Isaiah 40, starting with that 40 verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. There's a message, the hope builds up as the news of the kingdom is is announced more clearly. And from Isaiah, uh, from all those chapters in that second half, uh, no text shows it better the hope that is to come than Isaiah 55 and let's turn to Isaiah 55 and this is what I want us just to focus on for, for 10 minutes or so and then we're going to come to the table here but Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3 so this is Isaiah prophesying Something that he himself did not fully understand. Something he himself was not going to experience, but something that we can experience today. Isaiah 55, 1 to 3, here it is. It says, come, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine, and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me and hear me that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. So let's look at this part of Isaiah That's all to do with a hope that we can enjoy today. This was something, do you understand? Isaiah prophesied when the prophets, 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12 tells us that the prophets in the Old Testament, when they brought the word of God They didn't fully understand what they were bringing. Isaiah was bringing something that applied to the contemporaries who were living with him just after Uzziah died, but it also applied to the Israelites who would, to the Jews who would live uh, after he had died himself and would see something of hope restored as they would come back to Jerusalem uh, later on when they were set free from Babylonian captivity after having come through the other side of difficulty after having come through the other side of pain, but he also prophesied in a way that applies to us today, to us alive today, this word is for us, that he says to us today, because we've come through, the other side of Isaiah 53, that suffering servant, the one who was pierced for our iniquities, bruised for our transgression, then by his stripes were healed. We too today are the other side of the cross, which we're gonna remember later on. And so we have this wonderful hope. We have this wonderful assurance because Jesus died, because Jesus came and was the suffering servant, but was rose from the dead and ascended on high and to Today is Pentecost Sunday, and as we remember today that he poured out the Holy Spirit, so the invitation applies to us today more than to any other people. The Word of God came to us through the prophetic word through Sambo earlier on this morning about do you know what the time is, do you know what day it is? Do you understand? The Bible answers that question for us. We are a people who have been ever since the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost all those years ago. We are a people who are living in what the Bible describes as the last days. And we're a people who are living in the days of the Spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, we've read it when we went through Judges, especially that book of Judges. We saw how the Spirit would come upon someone, then the Spirit would be lifted. We live in a day when we can come and drink and drink and drink and drink again of the Spirit of God thanks to what Jesus has done for us and what He's purchased for us. And we can know the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit with us. So here's this wonderful invitation to us. You know, who's invited? Come, come to the waters, all you who have no money. Come, buy and eat, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. God invites thirsty people who can't pay for what they need. Two things, thirsty and can't pay. I once um, grew a beautiful avocado pear tree from an avocado pear stone. I left it here in my office downstairs. I went away on holiday. Nobody watered it while I was away. I came back and it had been left on the windowsill and the person who promised to water it forgot all about it. I came back and it had dried out completely. You touched the leaves and you just touched the leaf and it disintegrated into a thousand pieces. It was just so, so dry. Uh, You know, no water, no life, dryness, disintegration. I believe some have come today with thirst in their heart, or even as they're hearing the word of God, thirst is being stirred up in your heart. A lot of old hopes have dried up, dreams have waited and almost died, dead-end streets again and again, empty, unfulfilled, dissatisfied, knowing there has to be something more to this life. Everything that looks good is out of reach. You haven't got the money, you haven't got the strength, you haven't got the motivation, you're tired, but at least there's a longing in your heart for something more. Is it even a thirst? God says to you today, You're just the candidate. You can come to the table. You can come to the waters and drink. You who have no money, no resources, no bargaining position, no wonderful track record to come to God. You say, Lord, I've messed up. I've been full of pride. I've been full of me. Lord, I haven't done what you've asked me to do. And God says, you're just the candidate. Come to the waters. You who are thirsty. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 3, Blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That word poor there, you know, it doesn't just mean those who've got enough to scrape by on. It means those who are completely and utterly bankrupt. I'm desperate. I've got nothing. I need you, Lord, because without you, I have nothing at all. I'm absolutely desperate. Second kind of person who's invited, uh, you know, are those... Described in verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. So it's you who have no money come, but also those who have some money, <laughs> but they're spending it on the wrong things. Uh, you're not spiritually bankrupt. You've but you, 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 you've got something, and you're spending it. You've got some strength, and you're working, but you're labouring for bread that doesn't satisfy. You're spending your money on that that does not satisfy, and the result is frustration. In some ways, you're worse off than the person who at least knows I've got absolutely nothing at all. It's God or nothing. You've got something and you try to get by with that. And so you spend your life searching, dreaming, chasing, experimenting, different job, different city, different car, different house, different wife, different computer, new looks, new bike, new phone, new season tickets, new diet. And there's still a lot of looking around left in you. You've still got some strength. But He says to you today, come, because you're still thirsty and you found out that all that does not satisfy. And so he invites you. And what is it he invites you to take hold of? In verse 1, we're offered water, wine and milk. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come to the waters. You know, throughout scripture, you look anywhere in scripture and water is almost every single time, it, water is mentioned in scripture, it's a symbol of the God the Holy Spirit, the person and power of God the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're most thirsty, and most desperate, most dehydrated, you don't want a cup of tea, you just want a big gulp of water. Uh, I remember uh, in Congo many years ago, having a moped, a 49cc moped, and i um, been 20 kilometers away from home, breaking down and pushing that moped through thick sand and just walking, walking. And as the sun got up and it came to midday, the midday heat and I was away from any village just walking on a dirt, on a sandy track, pushing that moped. And I have never, ever been so thirsty in all my life. And uh, just the sweat, the, 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 the length of time without a drink, I was desperately thirsty. The best drink I have ever had in my life was when I got to the top of a hill and there was a little village and uh, it was right out in the middle of Congo, in the middle of nowhere, and, and out of this hut came a Congolese guy and saw me, saw the look on my face and he must have known exactly what I needed because he went back into his hut and brought out a beaker of the dirtiest looking water you've ever seen in your life. But to me, it was a life, I just drank it and asked him for some more and drank it and drank it. I was desperate. You know, Jesus On the last, John 7, 37, 39, on the last and greatest day of the feast, he stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this, by this, in case we didn't get it, by this, John writes, he meant the spirit, the Holy Spirit, Who had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? We live in a time Isaiah prophesied about it. The invitation has a totally different level for us New Covenant believers living today on the other side of the the death and resurrection of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. We live on the other side of that and we can come to the waters and drink freely knowing that as we believe in Him, we can receive. We open up our hearts and we say, come Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and, and satisfy the, the thirsting of my soul. Come and, and just quench this first, this, this satisfaction. Only you can satisfy my soul thirst for you. You alone my soul thirst for just that song we were singing. If you can say that and mean it, you're a candidate for being filled with the person and power of God, the Holy Spirit. The power of God and the love of God can so overwhelm you. You can know something of what Isaiah knew to encounter a holy, almighty God present in the third person of the Trinity coming inside of you, invading you, that your body, your physical body is too small, too weak, to cope with it and like many people have done, you might feel a warmth, you might feel as though you fall, you might feel as though you tremble, your body's not made yet to encounter the full presence of God but you can know something of that presence of God coming into you, invading you. Have we got any thirsty people? (laughs) It's beautiful stuff that we're given. This water is good. It's plentiful. Whoever drinks, John 4:14, 4, the water I give him will never thirst, Jesus said. Indeed, it will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The milk, you know, the milk of the Word of God is the Spirit of God as well. And, and he, Deuteronomy 26, verse 9, He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, you know, we're told in Psalm 36, verse 6, again, prophetic writing, I believe, in the psalm, talking about us. They feast, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them to drink from your river of delights. If you're going through life and TV programs, soaps, uh, Great films, great books are what giving you your satisfaction. I want to say to you, there's something greater than your career. There's something greater than graduating. It's feasting on the river of delights that he has for you. If you've not yet tasted this, you know, you will be spoiled. There's a health warning on it. You will be spoiled. What your plans and purposes are when you taste of his river of delights, when you know what it is here, when you know what it is at home, when you know what it is, when you're walking through the streets of Manchester to have that moment when you stop and you perhaps lift out your hands and you say, come Holy Spirit, I wanna drink. I wanna feast. I wanna know your presence. We're going to break bread and and drink wine together. And, you know, I want to say to us, just the world has been watching. Uh, The world will be watching Manchester tonight at that concert. Um, Just as for Jerusalem, 740 BC, you know, there's a difference for us. We have an invitation not to a concert to refresh our belief in humanity, but rather We've got an invitation to the table, to come to the table. We've got an invitation to come and drink of the waters. We know that he's good. We know that he's good all the time. And we can come and we can thirst and we can hunger and we can be satisfied as we come to him. That song, um, uh, the, the worship team, can you come up? Uh, that song we sang at the end just fits in so well with this and I did know they were going to sing it, so. But I, I, I just want us, um, if we can just begin to, to, to feast on his presence, we're going to break bread. And as you do this, can I say something? Can you, you know, there's two ways. You can, you can eat the bread and drink from the cup and feel this is something, this is good. We're a proper church, we do things that other churches do. This is not about that. This is about us taking, you. Augustine said this, he said, you are what you eat and drink. We're taking the life of God, we're taking the body of Christ, we're drinking the blood of Christ. We are what we, it's his presence. As we take this bread, as we drink this wine, don't do it in any flippant way. Do it in a way that you realise as you chew on that bread. I'm taking, in a way the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about just using very Uh, physical things for us, we're baptised in physical water to experience something of the death and resurrection of Jesus. This bread and this wine, it's physical stuff, but as we take it, there's another dimension to it. We receive his life, his life into us. If you're you're sick, physically sick, you can receive healing. If you're discouraged, if you're wanting of the spirit, even as you take the bread and drink the wine, you're coming to the waters, you're coming to the table and you're feasting. So so could we just, like just for this, we're going to start singing this song, but could we just get into groups around about seven or eight and perhaps a couple of stewards could just come and help us pour more of of, of the wine into the cups and we're just going to get into groups seven and eight and just begin to declare in front of one another your hunger, your thirst for God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm taking of your life into me now. And just so get into groups seven or eight. Uh, and uh, just make sure nobody's missed out on this please. Um, So just, just, you might need to stand up, move around and then send someone from your group to get some bread and pass it around and take a cup.